into the it is Friday the 14th of October. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee. Shane, are you getting the whites out, mate? Getting the whites out, the pads out, the coloured helmet? Tell me. Well, not personally, but uh, my son, <laughs> my son Tom, is uh, we, he's due to play his first game of cricket for the mm. summer. It's a Friday night thing, but it's raining here in Sydney, mate, so he's, he's not very happy. First thing he said this morning, Dad, it's raining. Will cricket be off? So he's, he's pretty pumped. But yes, we got the cricket gear out of the garage last night, and he wants to go to the Nets tomorrow, so... I could be very, very sore on Monday, Tim. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I bowled a couple of balls this week in the nets, and uh, I think God, my rotator cuff was straining. <laughs> it is Friday. That means we'll be talking Rugby League World Cup with a great man, former NRL player. Of course, he's part of the coaching staff for Lebanon, Robbie Farah. And we'll also have a chat about the World Game and wrap up all the AFL trades with Luca Muller. <laughs> In life, the most important thing is trust. Without it, everything is a lot harder in a quickly changing and turbulent time. Barclay Pierce Capital is a safe pair of hands, an organisation built on people. They understand you've worked hard to build your nest egg and their asset management business is tailored to suit your needs. Their services help grow your wealth in order to provide long-term safety and security for you and your family. BPC, just a phone call away. Whether it's for early morning coffee and pastries, long business lunches or post-work cocktails, head to District Brasserie in Sydney's CBD. With a modern Australian menu created to hero locally sourced produce and a unique offering of charred meats cooked on a custom-built charcoal oven. Situated on the ground floor of Chifley Tower, District Brasserie is open from 6.30am Monday to Friday for breakfast, lunch and dinner. District Brasserie, sophisticated yet casual. Well, right throughout the World Cup, we're going to tap in with a good mate of mine for Barclay Pierce Capital, Robbie Farah, of course, on the coaching staff of the Lebanese team. So how's things been in Camp Lebanon, mate? It's been really good. Um, We got together before uh, we flew over to the UK. We had a bit of a mini camp in Sydney over in Belmore. We had about 36 guys training. We had to cut that down to to 22 before the tournament. Um, And then we had two guys join us from over in Lebanon as well to make up our 24-man squad. Uh, flew straight into Manchester and it's been really good here. Uh, we're in a great place in Manchester. It's a, a really fun city. Um, had a good warm-up game against Wales last weekend, which was a, a great hit out for us. We had a, a 38 to 22 win. Uh, and then the boys had a couple of days off. So we got the opportunity to take them down to London. You know, for for a lot of these guys, it's their first time um, mm. in UK, let it, uh, or even overseas really. So yeah. Um, it was great to – we jumped on a train and, and went down to London and, uh, mate, the boys were on bikes and scooters and, and going around doing all the touristy things. And um, we got together for a nice dinner in London on Sunday night and mm. um, got back to Manchester Monday night and, and straight into our preparations for our first game this week against the Kiwis. Yeah, what an amazing experience for them. And it's a, for those that don't know, it's a, it's a real mix, isn't it? It's a, Like, to, to qualify for the Lebanese team, you have to have at least a grandparent that was born in Lebanon. And there's there's a mix. There's probably, what, half a dozen first-grade players and you go down a few tiers from there? Yeah, we've obviously got the first-graders, the NRL boys, and, you know, Mitch Moses, Adam Dewey in the halves, Josh Mansour. You know, we're unfortunate that Alex Twal couldn't be here with us. 
Abbas Miskis played first grade before. James Romanos made his NRL debut at Manly this year mm. as well. And um, there's a fair bit of experience for our side. Now it's, it's a pretty young side, which is quite exciting because the next World Cup's three years away. So yeah, this will hold us in good stead for that. But um, there's a lot of guys there that are playing just below NRL level in, in Sydney in, in the New South Wales Cup. And um, I'm pretty excited about what we can do. You know, when I when I look back at the 2017 World Cup um, and what we're able to achieve there, we. You know, we had myself and, and Mitch Moses said, Timmy Manor, but outside of that, uh, most of our guys were park footballers. They, they weren't even really playing at any sort of standards. So mm. I think the side's a lot more balanced um, across the park and um, we've gelled together really well and we're, and we're looking quite sharp. I must admit, when I was watching the Australian story on Michael Checker the other day, head coach, and of course Checker's Lebanese, and, and my mother was born in Lebanon, I, I was getting quite emotional quite, when, when I was watching him uh, do that speech in and around the cedar tree, and he was going below the tree and showing how the, the roots of the tree went, and he did a really uh, quite, um, you know, a powerful address to the team at that point. Yeah, that's been a, a symbol for for our team, the actual, the cedar tree and the meaning of it, and um, how strong its foundations are, and um, yeah, and that's that's the sort of team we want to be. Um, obviously, the cedar tree has been around for thousands of years, and um, it's resilient, it's tough, it you know it provides shade um, during tough times, and you know they're the things that we've spoken about uh, as a footy team that we want to rely on. So uh, yeah, it does get quite emotional. I know myself, um, you know, I'm very proud of my Lebanese heritage, and it's something I'm very connected to. And yeah, even though you know we're born and raised. Uh, in Australia, the most of us, and, and I was. Um, mm. There's something special about your Lebanese heritage. You know, I remember the first time I, I went back to Lebanon as a as a teenager, and uh, even though I didn't know the place or um, you know had no upbringing there, the minute I I stepped foot in the country, I, I felt like I belonged there. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's that's a pretty special feeling, and to be able to you know pull on that cedar jersey and and represent um, our families and our parents that have sacrificed so much to give us a better life. It's, it's something pretty special. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I feel that myself when my grandfather came on a boat. My mum, all they had were two dunas, they had six kids. And, and the stories are similar for so many people. And to see Lebanese doing so well on the world stage, generally at this World Cup, uh, there's so much anticipation in it around it, isn't it? Of course, the Australians will be deserved favourites because uh, yeah, they've got a cracking football team. And uh, everyone's excited about it even more because it's a year after when it should have happened. Yeah, that's right. And I think uh, you know, now we're seeing... Players, you know, sacrificing playing for you know, countries like Australia and New Zealand um, to go back and represent their heritage, and uh, that's only going to make the international game stronger. So, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more competitive World Cup. Obviously, you know, Samoa is quite strong. Tonga, um, all these Pacific nations in the last three four years have really come on in leaps and bounds. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to you know, what will be a celebration of rugby league. To be honest, it's great that we can get over here and, and put on a show. Who do you reckon? will overperform. I looked at that Tongan side the other day and I said, boy, oh boy, they hit the ground running. Yeah, Tonga, then you look at Samoa, you know, Samoa got, mm. I guess with these, a lot of the, the second tier nations, they've they've got the outside backs and the and the forwards, but a lot of them struggle with, um, I guess, the key players, the, the, your spine members. And I think that's something that we're fortunate to be blessed with, where we've got smart players in key positions, you know, with, with Adam and, Mitch Moses and sorry, and the other one I forgot the, the other NRL boys, uh, Jacob Kiraz at fullback for us. And yeah. when I look at Samoa, you know they've got guys like Anthony Milford, Jerome Luai in the halves. Um, so that's that's really going to help them. You know, Joseph Sawali will probably be their fullback. So 
yeah, they're going to be really tough to beat, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So you got New Zealand first up just a few days away? Yeah, New Zealand on Sunday night our time, Monday morning um, Australia time. And, yeah, that's really exciting. It's going to be a great challenge for us. There's, there's no better challenge in the world than coming up against the uh, the number one ranked team in the world. And, yeah, we're going to go out there to to try and win the game. Um, we're confident. Yeah, we want to go out there, put in a good show and, and really take some confidence out of that game heading into you know, our last two pool games against Ireland and Jamaica. Yeah, absolutely. My 13-year-old son, Joseph's already set the alarm. He's got it all in his book. He is a proud Lebanese footy fan. And, uh, you know, like he has followed. I think he was the only one that voted for Lebanon to win the World Cup when he was a few years ago. It was It's so great to watch. We'll be watching with a lot of passion, a lot of interest. Just finally, mate, have been able to ship in some... I, I know when I was over there for the London Games, I was looking desperately for Lebanese food and I couldn't find anything. You get all these cheap imitations. Obviously, you go to Paris and you get some great Lebanese food but London what's Manchester like is there any lab, lab joints there that are any good we haven't been to one yet I think we're going to a team dinner next week uh, mm. to a Lebanese restaurant mate so I'll have to check in with you next week and, and give you my feedback good on you Rob and have a great weekend all the best against the Kiwis thanks Tim chat to you next week mate coming up next on Afternoon Sport Melbourne comedian Luca Muller John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. If you're ready for your next thoroughbred racing adventure, then join the Osher Group. They exceed expectations on what racehorse ownership should look like. Australia's racing industry is enjoying unprecedented growth. Through a strategic, well-managed and data-driven approach, there is now a very real opportunity to build a profitable and sustainable thoroughbred portfolio. Find the Osher Group online at theoshergroup.com. Fridays, it means Melbourne comedian Luca Muller. How are you, Luca? Yes, good, mate. G'day, boys. How are you? It's raining here in Sydney, mate. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's pouring in Melbourne as well. But uh, let's kick off uh, with a bit of Champions League um, action. Yeah, yeah. There was some midweek Champions action, Champions League action this week. Uh, Liverpool beat Rangers 7-1, which uh, sounds pretty wild, but doesn't actually do justice to Rangers. They were up 1-0 originally, and then Liverpool didn't take the lead until the 54th minute, but when they did, um, the floodgates opened, really. Mm. Uh, and we saw Mo Salah score the quickest hat-trick in Cham- Champions mm, League wow. history, 6 minutes and 12 seconds. Well. Uh, much needed for the Egyptian striker at the moment. He's been pretty bang out of form with Liverpool, so hopefully he can carry that back to the... Uh, the Premier League there. Uh, saw Man City draw 0-0 with FC Copenhagen uh, in a game you'd definitely expect City to win. Um, they were without Erling Haaland. He was rested for the game. And they couldn't find the back of the net without him, so he's mm. already proving pretty crucial to their structure there. Um, I think it was mostly, though, they had a player sent off after about 28 minutes or so, and they were just sort of playing catch-up from then. Uh, we also saw my favourite part of Champions League this week, Shakhtar Donetsk out of Ukraine, draw 1-1 with Real Madrid, with Madrid only equal 
equalising in the fifth minute of extra time. Well, Antonio Rudiger proving the absolute biggest villain in Europe uh, with that last minute header there. It's pretty phenomenal what Shakhtar have been able to do. Obviously, with the war in the Ukraine, they've been pretty uh, severely affected yeah. with that when it all first was going down. They had to relocate the team and the players to Warsaw in Poland uh, with some of the players just staying in hostels or being housed by local families there. And obviously, because of all this, they lost a lot of players mm. who moved on. Uh, some people lost to conscription as well, had to join up with the army in Ukraine. So they don't have their full strength list. They're relying on uh, on their youth players. They're, I think they've got an average age of about 23 or well. so. And not only are they surviving as a team, they're you know drawing with last year's winners, Real Madrid. So hats off to uh, Donetsk there. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that is that is a great news story. Almost the... the sort of story that you'll see a three-part docker uh, come out of, yeah, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely mm. right. Um, it's so it's so prime for the Netflix docker. Yeah, absolutely. What, what about a few of these uh, EPL games this weekend in context of the bottom part of the table and relegation? There's some intriguing matchups. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously still a long way to go in this season, but uh, there's two games this weekend that feature four teams who you would think would be figuring in the relegation mm. talks later this year. Um, so you've got Bournemouth against Fulham and you've got Nottingham Forest against Wolves. Uh, Bournemouth are struggling to score at all. They can't get anything right. They look like they're heading back down. Uh, they're playing Fulham, who have actually looked pretty good so far, but sort of no one thinks it's going to last for them. And they've also just lost their uh, main striker, Alexander Mitrovic, to injury. He'll be out for the next three months or so. Um, so very interesting game there. And then you've got Wolves, who are just absolutely in shambles all over the place. A couple of coach changes in the last six months or so. Uh, a lot of injuries happening. Against Nottingham Forest, who they're recently promoted uh, into the Premier League for the first time in a while and they've gone absolutely transfer crazy the wallet has flung open <laughs> over the over the summer period for there they acquired 22 new players in the season Jeez. break which has obviously led to difficulties no one knows each other there's no there's no sort of synergy with the team they're trying to build these game plans with all these players who haven't met and so obviously someone higher up at the club sort of saw what was going on with that and had a little look at what's gone on and then this week their recruitment manager has been fired who made all those deals <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> a bit of trouble at Nottingham Forest there. Interesting to see how they come up against Wolves. And Liverpool uh, take on Man City, which will be interesting, and I suppose a very dangerous round for Liverpool. Yeah, definitely. Normally in the last couple of years, that's sort of the biggest rivalry in the Premier League. That would be a very exciting game. Very dangerous for Liverpool, I think, who are sitting about 10th at the moment as compared to Man City, who are just absolutely flying in the Premier League. Mm. Um, hopefully that 7-1 win against Rangers can uh, put Liverpool in good stead for that game. But uh, yeah, danger game for the Reds there. It really is, isn't it? How do you think they're going? Um, uh, it's a bit sad, really. They're my favourite team and they've been in such a great era uh, with this sort of group of players and I think we're just seeing it come to an end. Um, the good players have just gotten a bit older. They've lost a couple of players. The people that they've replaced them with just aren't as good. And so I think that sort of golden Liverpool era from about 2018 or so up until this year has just, uh, yeah, it's come crashing down. And I think they'll still be a good team and it be, won't be too long before they really build themselves but yeah going to be a down couple of years for the Reds I think. Luca the AFL trade periods come come to an end now but um, we, we spoke a bit about this week this whole um, going home clause and how it's going to affect potential drafts in the future what's your take on that because I think last five of 
last five of, of five of the six drafts, um, most people have exercised the go-home clause. We've seen it with Jackson. We've seen it with um, uh, a couple of guys going back to uh, Port Adelaide. Is that going to be a big yeah. big issue for in the future, do you think? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's very interesting, especially um, the draft for – it'll be the draft class of 2024 is apparently a super strong draft class. About mm. the top 10 picks are all going to be really good. And it's very heavily based in WA as well. So cool. if this trend does continue, you're going to see a lot of good players get a little bit of experience and then if it ha- keeps happening, West Coast and Frio are just going to be uh, red hot in a couple of years' time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's good. You don't want to get in the way of players being around their families and being where no. they're most comfortable and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a worry, a bit interesting to keep an eye on, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And what did you think of the trade week? It was like darts going everywhere. <laughs> yeah, big time. A lot of deals just getting done in that last week, wasn't there? Um, so to sum up sort of last week, Brody Grundy to D's, that was sort of well known that that was going to happen. Mm. Uh, that to me says that the D's are pushing hard in this premiership window. He's 28, so just about on the tail end uh, of his prime there as a ruckman. So that to me, yeah, indicates that they're going to really push for that another flag in the next two or three years or so. And then we saw D's also pick up a couple of bulldogs in Josh Shacky and Lockie Hunter, which were pretty surprising. Yeah. Hunter especially came out of nowhere. Uh, and especially interesting considering the Ds don't really need a midfielder. Um, that's sort of their strongest position on the field. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if they're planning on playing him somewhere else or moving someone else into that sort of half-flank position. Um, yeah, obviously, like you said, Jackson is a docker. Uh, Tom Mitchell, former Brownlow medalist, has gone to the Pies. And uh, Ollie Henry has left the Pies and gone to join his brother down at Geelong. Um, so yeah, a lot of, like you say, a lot of darts flying around in the last week and breaking news just as of uh, last night I don't think it's officially official yet but I reckon by the time this podcast comes out uh, St Kilda have parted ways with uh, their coach mm-hmm. Brett Ratton um, interesting move they extended his contract in July after there was all this talk and all this controversy Oof. maybe he wasn't going to going to coach on and then here they are four months later um, ending his career as a coach so I feel a bit for Ratton there um, I think he thought he was on the beach for a while but interesting to see who they pick up obviously Robert Harvey their sort of former uh, champion player could be in the mix but I think the league contenders Adam Uze who's an assistant coach with the D's at the moment so yeah more turmoil for the Saints does, it, um, does, does Ratton go into the draft next year then? <laughs> you're too old yeah I think he wants to go home he's going to be heading back to <laughs> wherever he's from Country Vic Luca what's going on in the UFC buddy? yeah so none too exciting fights this weekend but Aussie Alex Volkanovsky has been officially named as the backup fighter for the UFC 280 main event next weekend which will mean he's stepping up from featherweight where he holds the belt currently uh, up to lightweight there so basically it means he'll fly to Abu Dhabi he'll be there he'll weigh in and if one of the other fighters gets injured or can't make weight then he'll step straight in um, pretty exciting and pretty good to think about personally I hope the fight stays together I just really want to see Charles Oliveira against Islam Makachev I'll tell you more about that fight next week but he's probably the most anticipated fight of the year for me uh, it's such a good fight so I hope that goes ahead but there had already been talk of Volkanovski stepping up to fight for the 155 belt next so I reckon and if the fight goes ahead, they'll take the winner and they'll put them in a main event against Volkanovski for the 155 title in Perth in February next year, which is a card that was just announced this week. Um, so that'll be absolutely huge. First card in Australia in a few years, obviously, because of the pandemic. Massive homecoming for Alex Volkanovski. I think that'd be so good. Mate, Luke, just quickly to wrap up, mate, any gigs this weekend? Yeah, yeah, I'll be at Comedy Republic on Saturday. Uh, that's always a good time in Melbourne if you're around in the city. So, yeah, that's a place to be. Beautiful. Oh, sounds good, mate. Good on you, Luca. We'll chat next week. Thanks, fellas. Talk to you soon. 
That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you goes to Luca Muller and to Robbie Farah and our wonderful sponsor, Shane. Yeah, fantastic sponsors. Barclay Pierce Capital. They're only a phone call away. And our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh. We are back on Monday with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Join us for our Afternoon Sport Racing Bulletin brought to you by Bluebet. What I'm backing and why. Tim Gilbert is joined by racing journalist Matt Jones and professional punter Brad Miller discussing which horses they'll be betting on this weekend and why. Catch the show Friday afternoons ready for your weekend of punting. Subscribe or follow on your favourite podcast app, What I'm Backing and Why. Happy punting.